Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Welcome to Israel and You. And several of the questions that I've been asked in the last several months since October 7th, the, uh, the massacre in southern Israel, uh, one of the questions is, why is there anti-Semitism? Where is this coming from? And another question is, how, how is it that anti-Semitism is exploding on college campuses in the United States and globally? So here to answer these questions and more is my good friend William Kolbrenner. William is the Director of Academic Development for ISGAP, which is the Institute for the Study of Global Anti-Semitism and Policy based at the Wolf Institute at Cambridge University in the UK. William is Professor of English Literature at Bar Ilan University in Israel. He trained at Columbia and Oxford Universities, and he's written extensively on the genealogy of anti-Semitism in the Woke Academy. So, Bill, welcome to Israel and you. Thank you so much, Aaron. It's really good to be talking to you. So you're my, my good friend, and we've met the last two summers at, at uh, ISGAP at their summer institute at Oxford University, and just learned a lot from you, Bill. And I know that you and your family have have lived through this horror and this nightmare since October 7th. So just want to ask you as we, we begin, just tell me about your own emotional state and, and the emotional atmosphere in the, the country of Israel. And you're, you're talking to us today from the beautiful city of Jerusalem in Israel. So what, what's your perspective, Bill? Well, you know, first let me tell you a story of a, a funeral that I went to a couple of weeks ago, a beloved school principal. It was on Har Herzl, Mount Herzl, which is a military cemetery. And the funeral was scheduled to begin at six, but there were so many people there, thousands and thousands of people there, that it got delayed for 45 minutes. And for those 45 minutes, there was complete and utter silence. And I think at, at, at that moment, I really felt the extent to which this is what Jewish unity is and really always has been. Jewish unity sometimes comes across as waving flags or dancing with the Sefer Torah, like we were that day on October 7th for Simchat Torah. But really, the real Jewish unity, and we are experiencing it every single day here, is that quiet mourning and determination. So that's the first thing I would just share. And, and strangely, that moment is both so full of, of pathos, sadness, but also a kind of hope and strength and determination. I, I think now, you know, day 53, um, the people of Israel have gone through a lot. And it's every single day. And I think now especially, and I'm sure your listeners are aware that there's a ceasefire now, an exchange of hostages for prisoners, and not as the New York Times ran on their front page, a hostage exchange. Your listeners should just know that the prisoners who were released in that deal were security prisoners, and 
they were not murderers because they failed at what they did. So we now, every day, is a kind of reliving of the trauma. We see the children being released and the great joy on the face of them and their parents and everybody. I mean, this, you, it's, it is really, everybody is invested. Everybody is watching television. Everybody's waiting through the delays. And part of what we're going through, and I, I really have to tell you, Aaron, I'm just so pleased by your introduction and the way you spoke about the massacre for what it is. Because what's really happening in the world right now, and we know this together from ISGAF, where we both work together, is there is kind of a, a brainwashing, a cultural brainwashing, which is being funded, as ISGAP is proving, which is being funded by the billions of dollars by Qatar and Iran. So we, the, every, and every decision that's made, for example, um, a child was separated from her mother. Hamas said they did not know where the mother was. The girl was released and she said, I was with my mother two days ago. So that's small and minor, but it's devastating. It's devastating for the family. And there is something about the way in which people identify with each other's families here and the, and, and the traumas. Um, so we're reliving it every day and it's hard to hear the voices over and over the drumbeat of ceasefire and humanism and universality, all of the things are in which you and I believe in adamantly, right? But when there's a leopard in your house, you kill it, right? Yeah. So we're tired, I think that's the mood, but determined. Yes. You know, Bill, when I, when I saw the first um, children uh, released by Hamas and embracing their parents that have been waiting for them, you know, all, all of these weeks. Um, the scripture came to my mind instantaneously. It was like an explosion in my soul of mm. Psalm 126, 1, when the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, wow. we were wow. like those who dream. And wow. I just thought, man, this father embracing his son it's right. it's almost like a dream like the whole time you're probably thinking my son is no longer with us he's deceased right. he's you know right. been murdered by hamas and then suddenly to see your son running down the hall towards you and, and embracing him it's that scripture just just came to life in my soul um so i just i feel for you i feel for um uh, my friends in Israel, my family in Israel, what you're going through. So, so personally, Bill, what, what is your emotional uh, state right now just with everything happening? How, mu how much time do you have, Aaron? <laughs> I, 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 would, I would say, you know, we are quietly determined mm -hmm. to continue doing what we're doing. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm meeting with many of our students. Your listeners may know that even though our semester starts in October, we have not started our studies. It was delayed first till December 3rd. It was delayed after again till December 24th. We go by a Jewish calendar here. And the reason for this is that 30 to 40% of our students are on reserve duty. Wow. Today, I was present at the university senate meeting 
I'm telling you, I was crazy because the first 15 or 20 minutes we were talking, the rector and president were talking about students who had lost their lives, who had fallen in combat. Hmm. It's just so immediate for every single person. So with that said, I've been meeting with groups of students um, on Zoom and listening to their voices having them write a little bit sometimes. Creative writing is a great way for self-expression, sharing their experiences in a workshop. And, you know, I would go back to what I was saying before about your support. The people of Israel right now have really one, two audiences. One is internal. We cannot fight with the Qatari-funded BDS and MSNBC and everything else. We cannot fight with them, with the universities. So the Jewish people have to strengthen themselves internally and, and the friends of the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. I, I'll just tell you, I mean, you ask me how I am. Um, I have a, a relative in America who is trans mm -hmm. and she is a Hamas supporter. <laughs> Right. This is yeah. this is a, a, you know not not a brother or sister, but it's close family. Mm -hmm. Right. And 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 the sense of betrayal, the sense of disbelief, is just overwhelming. So it's it's really nice to be here with you, and feel like I don't have to stretch out of my normal um, sensibility in order to talk to you. Thank you for making me feel comfortable, really. Yeah. So, Bill, you write extensively about anti-Semitism in the woke academy, the woke college campuses. And, and uh, as I said in the introduction, the question I'm getting consistently just about every day, uh, the first question is, you know, how is this happening? I mean, how did our mm. campuses in the United States of America uh, go so anti-Semitic. What what's driving this this uh, narrative? And yeah. so, just from your your uh, knowledge and, and expertise, how how is this happening? How how is anti-Semitism ex exponentially growing on the college campuses in America and abroad? Mm -hmm. That is really such a great and and such a a difficult question. Mm -hmm. I, I think really. We'll address it in two ways. The first is on college campuses. And I was at Columbia University in the 1980s when really the, 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 the patriarchs and matriarchs of the woke world were creating their world in the 1980s. That was the beginning of post-structuralism and deconstruction and cultural Marxism. But even back then, there was something exciting about it. Exciting because nobody was necessarily claiming, oh, this is the right answer. And what has happened, I think, is there is a certain Puritan element in America. And we are surprisingly seeing it not only on the right, on the extreme right, but on the left. Mm -hmm. And there is this sense of virtue, a kind of punishing virtue that if you're not part of it, then you're completely on the outside. It's really the left has turned into on campus, mm 
an orthodoxy. Hmm. You know, before all of this started, I was working on an organization to try to bring responsibility and presence back to the humanities, to get back to what we do, which is reading. And after October 7th, the humanities, in my view, are, are no longer a place that any kinds of conversations can take place. In order for the humanities to have been saved, they would have had to eradicate anti-Semitism because anti-Semitism is the very center of their agenda. They define themselves in relationship to, anti to, to the Jew. In a way, it resembles some parts of early Christianity in which Christianity was created in opposition to the Jew. Now, I know Christianity has evolved, but what's happening in the woke world is there is that same sense that the Jew represents everything which we are against. It's not incidental that the Jew gets excluded from the food festival, festival or is told not to go to the dike march. The exclusion of the Jew is the way the woke world defines itself. Mm. So on October 7th, we not only saw what happened here, but I, I think really the death of the university as we know it. Why do I say that? Humanities are the basis of the university and the liberal arts. And without those things as alive, as an alternative set of perspectives to technology, for example, the university just becomes an adjunct of the corporate world. But this is what's happened. The left, and, and what's interesting, Aaron, is that in, in post-war America, it was Jews who really created the Academy of English Literature. They were the ones, interestingly, how Jews went and learned about the religion of those who had oppressed them and became the experts on it or tried to annihilate them. And they became the experts on it. And now what's happening, and it's crazy, is that the Jews are leading this move. And that's, that's one of the crazy ingredients in this Aaron. The universities are, the, the leaders in, in some cases are themselves Jews. Hmm. It's, 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 it's kind of like mass self-harm on a political level. Right. It's just hard to understand. You know, one of the things we, we've been working on at, at uh, ISGAP, and ISGAP is you know, really involved in uncovering the money trail from radical Islamic countries that are pumping billions and billions into our universities. So how does that play into, I mean, is it, is it like a university president says, listen, we're getting all this money from places like uh, uh, Qatar, um, so we've, we've sort of have to go uh, t towards the, the boundary of anti-Semitism. Is that what's partially causing oh, oh, this? Oh, no, no. It, it's much more insidious than that. Okay. It's much, much worse than that. And I think the ISGAP reports as they are released will show that, that Qatar is not just giving money for discretionary funds. They are, in many cases, have says in hiring and in the structures of research institutes. Hmm. So that is incredibly significant. And also in the creations of faculties like Middle Eastern Studies Department. A Middle Eastern Studies Department in any university now is the anti-Zionism department. 
And those so those fields are being made stronger. It's very important what you're saying, really. I spoke before about the fatigue that we're feeling in Israel, and I think we feel like there is this psychological warfare that is being waged, and and it is being and the universities are just a part of it, right? Because Qatar has its hands all over the place, and that's one of the ways in which really our world is just being disrupted. I don't know how you feel, Aaron. Sometimes I just feel like we're back to the Hobbesian, you know, Thomas Hobbes wrote Leviathan in the 17th century. Right. We're back to the Hobbesian state of nature where it's every person for themselves. Um, you know, you just think what has happened? And, you know, also, um, uh, and we experience, I think, this together, that we become lone voices like Abraham. We mm -hmm. really become lone voices. And, and it's hard to remember when everybody else is screaming the opposite, that your truth is the truth. I, I really read the, the Parshiot Tashavua, the, 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 um, the parts of the, the Torah that we read every week. We're right now reading Genesis and the story of Abraham. And you appreciate his innovation and his courage because the whole world said he was wrong. And that's right. what's happening again today. The whole world is saying, Israel, you're wrong. It's hard. Yeah. You know, I was <clears throat> reading this week in, in, the, in the Psalms, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And peace uh, the, the, in Hebrew is the word shalom, which has a much deeper meaning than the English word peace. And shalom means uh, in balance, put together, restored, um, stable. Uh, so... When Israel, why, why is it important to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Because when Israel is unstable, when Israel's not restored, when, when Israel is not in a place of protection, then the whole world is out of sync. And, and you, you, you take that scripture and you match it to what um, Ezekiel says. I think it's Ezekiel 5, 5, that, that, uh, that Israel, God has placed at the center of the nations. And then in Deuteronomy, it says that when he created the nations, he numbered them according to the number of the sons of Jacob. So whether the world likes it or not, Bill, whether they appreciate it or not, they're supernaturally, spiritually linked to Israel and the Jewish people. They don't know it. And so what happens, I was thinking of the, you know, the picture of a fan. And when the, when the, um, the blades of a fan uh, in the ceiling are not weighted properly, the whole fan wobbles, right? And so when Israel is out of sync, all the nations are out of sync. And it seems to me that that's why this, it's like the belly of the abyss has just opened up with hatred and anti-Semitism. Just because of what Hamas did, it set Israel in a place of not being stable. And so it's, it's like, to me, the nations now have become so unstable. So the next question I have for you is uh, your perspective, and there's so many theories on why is there anti-Semitism. I, I got a call yesterday, just about like every day, the last you know, 52, 53 days. Aaron, you've been saying this for a long time. We never, we never saw it until now. Why, why is there anti-Semitism? Why do people hate the Jewish people? I mean, what is going on? And so there's all these theories, there's the scapegoat theory that you know, the Black Plague came along and people blame the Jews for poisoning the wells. There's the jealousy theory that 
the nations are jealous over the chosenness of Israel. There's all the conspiracy theories that the Jews are wealthy, the Rothschild conspiracy theory, the Christian conspiracy theories, the blood libel, the desecration of the host. Uh, Jews were hated because of their race. They were hated because of their religion. They were hated because they assimilated. They were hated because they refused to assimilate. They were hated because they were capitalist. They were hated because they were communists. They were hated because they were rich. They were hated because they were poor. There's all these theories, Bill. So, and I don't know if one of them is right or wrong, but everything that's happened and anti-Semitism exploding across the world on social media, on the news, what's your theory? What's your perspective? Well, listen. You you came up with, with so you you already offered so many compelling theories, and I'll I'll say something which maybe will put that in perspective, and then I'll give you my perspective. Okay. The Talmud discusses anti-Semitism, and it discusses it in just one phrase: Esav, Esau, Sone hates at Yaakov. Esav hates Yaakov. Esau hates Jacob. And then mm. it goes on and says, halachahu, halacha means law. It's a law by which the sages at the beginning of the turn of the first millennium are saying it's almost like a metaphysical principle. We don't understand it either. And it's not really, a, it's, I mean, it's, it's really a cultural principle. The rabbis said this in the context of the, tra- of the ascendance of Rome. And they saw in that relationship the paradigm of the persecution that Jews have experienced for generations and generations. That's what, Jew, that's what rabbinic sources will say. Mm-hmm. I, I would say, and this is really just maybe to put together a couple of the things that you mentioned, that Jews are, we are an exceptional people. And exceptionalism is a terrible burden for us because we've been hated for it. Mm-hmm. And as your listeners know, because they've been listening to you. The Holocaust was not a one-off, but it was a culmination. Mm-hmm. And in the long run of history, 1943, the Vansay Conference, and 2023 are not very, very far away. Mm-hmm. I think in a way, really in America, the America that I grew up in, which is a very particular and privileged part of America, was really, it was, I, I feel like I lived in the, the Jewish century, that Jews were so instrumental in creating in the university, in entertainment, in civil rights. They really, we, Jews in America for the first time were free. I was probably the most privileged generation of Jews for 2000 and years, 2000 years. And nobody in my family talked about the Holocaust, even though they suffered from it. Because we had this illusion, which is now falling away in front of our eyes, that there was no longer any anti-Semitism. So we lived in that world of so much promise. And now we see the extent to which the American world is tired of Jewish exceptionalism. We're tired of Jewish Hollywood. We're tired of Jewish achievement. We're tired of Jewish whatever, financial success. We're tired of of Jews in the university. We're tired of the Jewish exceptionalism. For a while, people admired it, right? We really admired it. In 1967, that was probably the peak of it, right? The Six-Day War and the, the jubilation. And I think by now, right, where we're, we're Western culture is used to having Jews 
protected by aristocrats or royalty or living in ghettos mm -hmm. because Jews always needed protection. Jews have stepped out of that role that they've had for thousands of years. And we said, no, we are going to be agents in history. And people like my parents and grandparents did that in America. And Israel is doing it as a country. And I think it freaks a lot of people out. We're not used to having, it's like, oh, not so far, people, right? right. You want agency, you want to be autonomous and independent. Well, not, not so far. Really, just as it was in the 19th century, where marauding peasants or whatever would tell you, stay in your place. And that's kind of where we are now. And that's, I think, why Israel, I mean, the, the, the hatred at Israel is just extraordinary. I mean, the extent to which Israel is, is examined for things that are happening regularly in other countries, which happened in America in its history. But only in Israel do we have this level of scrutiny. Only in Israel do we have this high demand of, of ethics. It's strange. And everybody is telling Israel, the Jewish people, to turn the other cheek while our lives right. are in danger, right? Right, yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And uh, God promises Abraham that he and his descendants will be a blessing to all the nations of the world. And that has completely uh, been fulfilled throughout the centuries. And I was thinking the other day about Hamas, who wants in their charter to destroy not just the Jews in Israel from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. They want to murder every Jew on the planet. And so those that support and then Hamas, get around to the Christians, right? The, first, the Saturday people, then the Sunday people is their is their motto, you know. But but you think about it, a world without Jews, and and I started just adding it up the other day. What would the world look like if Hamas fulfilled its its mission? Um, they say they want to finish what Hitler started and murder every Jew. Think about all the, the, the blessing the Jewish people have, have given to the world. Uh, you know, the polio vaccine and on and on and on. And the Jewish people have received more Nobel Peace Prizes in literature, in, in medicine, in science, in, uh, technology, biology than any other people group on the planet. Uh, you'd have to give up the theory of relativity from, from uh, Einstein, a nice Jewish man. And so you, you start taking out all the contributions uh, of the Jewish people, which in my belief, uh, the Jewish people have contributed more to the human race than any other people group in history. And uh, you basically wipe out in the entire civilization, disease and, and uh, all the rest. Penicillin came from uh, a Jewish scientist. So you take away all those contributions and you basically, and, and then you take away uh, God's moral law, which our Western law is built upon God's moral law given on Mount Sinai to Moses. You, you take away God's moral law of righteousness and civilization as we know it completely uh, is, is, is ended. So I, I agree with that. There is an exceptionalism, and it's a God-given exceptionalism upon the Jewish people. And instead of celebrating it, 
the world for centuries has either tried to deny it or erase it. You know, one thing about the exceptionalism, and it's very important that your listeners know that Jews are meant to understand that exceptionalism not as some kind of privilege or gold star. It's a responsibility. I mean, it is a privilege. It's a privilege as a responsibility. And I think this is maybe one of the optimistic things that is coming out here, is that more Jews, different kinds of Jews, are coming together and taking on that responsibility. It really is extraordinary just to walk in the streets here and to see the extent to which the country is working together and coming together. And people are, are united in a way which we never thought possible before. So that is, that is one advantage, is that Jews are starting to realize also and aren't, you know, we always assumed, I grew up in Long Island, in an upper middle class Jewish suburb, and we always assumed that, you know, goodness was built into the world. We didn't have to worry about it. We said, when I became religious, my friends said, you know, you don't, why do you need to be religious to be good? And the truth is, you know, maybe you don't need to be religious to be good, but you do have to recognize what you just said, that any concept of morality or justice or goodness or truth comes from the Jewish tradition. Right. And if you want to maintain some kind of social order and some kind of ethics, then you really have to acknowledge that. That, that it, it, it is our... It is our collective inheritance, right? And the greatest Christians have known that, have known the importance of the Jew, not only for what you mentioned, all the contributions, but also the presence of the Jew in Western culture gives us a balance. There's another right. perspective. And that's why, and people don't realize this, the Jew goes first and then everybody else goes. Because the Jew is the original other. If you get rid of the original other than everybody else, who cares about the rest, right? That's so, so true. Yeah, you know, um, in in you, you mentioned reading Genesis and and um, when when Noah, his three sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth, um, Noah blesses Shem, and he mm. says, "Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem." And so, mm. of course, through Shem came the the Semites, the Jewish people, and then he mm. he blessed. Uh, Japheth with expansion, you know, Japheth will expand throughout the nations. And so they would become the Gentiles. And then Noah says, may Japheth dwell under the Mm. tents of Shem. So Noah prophetically, I believe, saw something spiritual in Mm. his son Shem, that that he would be a God-centered individual and his descendants would be uh, spiritual, and so sure. the nations would have to come under the, the Jewish people. They would have to come under the tents of the Jewish, the spiritual tent of the Jewish people. And the only way to get yes. into a tent is to bow, is to is to bow the knee, and to humble yourself and come in under someone else's tent. And so the nations, for the most part, over the centuries, they've refused to bow. Right, and you talked about early Christianity, and I, I totally believe believe that that they they wanted to erase uh, everything Jewish out of the scriptures, out of their their faith, because they they didn't want to bow, they they didn't want to submit to a Jewish moral ethic, a a Jewish uh, cultural ethic, a, a Jewish spiritual ethic. They wanted to create their own religion, and so they drifted over the centuries away from that. 
that Jewish tent. So I just believe in, in these days there's going to be a remnant of people, Bill, and, and I want to be in that remnant of, of people from the nations that will come under the, the protection, the spiritual protection of, of the Jewish people. Amen. So, yeah. So I so appreciate you being, being with me today, Bill, and we're going to talk again soon. And I would encourage all my, my friends, my listeners, that you, you would pray for, for Bill Brenner and his family and, and uh, the, the Jewish community in Israel pray for the peace of Jerusalem because when Israel is out of sorts then the nations are out of sorts as well so Bill thanks so much for being with me today